0: Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today.
1: The Texas Rangers have swept two teams who combined to win 200 games this season. So can they actually win the World Series? Also, the Braves have to win a road playoff game just to stay alive. And the Warriors are ready to make another title run. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're Locked On Sports Today.
0: Searching all major
2: sports. Found Let's start with the biggest story.
1: The Tampa Bay Rays and Baltimore Orioles combined to win 200 regular season games against the Texas Rangers in the postseason. They managed not a one. The Texas Rangers headed to the ALCS with a chance to win their first World Series in franchise history. Bryce Patrick from Locked On Rangers joins me now. He's trying to keep his excitement levels to a minimum. Hearing me talk about the World Series trophy. Bryce, how like winning is one thing. Doing it this
0: way is entirely different. So how? Um, my My main working theory at this point is that Bruce Bochy has some kind of wizard magic that he deploys in (laughs) October, because that's the only thing that, you know, I'm looking for logical, reasonable explanations, and that feels like the most logical thing for me. I mean, this team is maybe the streakiest team in the history of sports, and that doesn't feel like an over-exaggeration to say. I mean, the most, it's so back, we're like, everything. it's so over, we're so back team (laughs) I've ever seen. I mean, my goodness, this team is clicking on all cylinders. And like, there was a lot of talk of, oh no, the Rangers only won 90 games. But like, you look at their run differential, they're plus 165 on the season. It's the second best in the AL. And like, it's funny heading into this series, I thought, okay, well, this Orioles team, yeah, their run differential isn't as good, but that means they've won a lot more close games and the Rangers didn't do a great job of that. They did that in game one of this series of a three to two win where the bullpen held a one-run lead in three innings, which everyone was like, um, what what the heck just happened? That's not this team. And then, you know, the Rangers just turned into blowout games and they had more experience in those. (laughs) When you put up, you know, five-run innings, four-run innings, you know, multiple times in two days or two games, it's just like, it makes it a lot easier to win. And then you throw Nate Evaldi on the hill. I said this before game one, I said, if the Rangers take game one in that series where the Rangers had the biggest disadvantage, they were throwing a bullpen game of Andrew Heaney and Dane Dunning versus the Orioles ace who Kyle Bradish looked really good in that game. Mm-hmm. I said, if the Rangers win game one, then this will probably end up being a sweep and lo and behold, here it is a sweep.
1: All right. We got Nostradamus on the line here with, with, with Bryce. So, I guess if you're, if you have a shaky bullpen, the answer is win game seven to one, and you don't have to worry about what your bullpen is doing in the eighth and ninth innings. Um, I asked you the last time we talked the sustainability of this. And after we finished, we had a conversation that was like, if not them, who? And it does, it is starting to feel more and more like that with this team because you look around and all of these top teams are struggling. There is questions about, Should there be changes to the format? That's how much these higher seeds are struggling. And so it does seem like if you're Texas, you're going,
0: wait, why not us? I mean, in years past, I mean, where was this discourse in 2012 when the Rangers were like the best team in the regular season for the entire year and then choked away the division on the last day, had to play in the first year of the one game wild card and lost to these Orioles? Back in 2012, where was the discourse then? Where was the discourse in you know 2015 and 16 when the Rangers were an incredible team and lost in the ALDS? There there was none of that. And so the Rangers don't give a crap. They don't (laughs) care at all. I mean, all of this, oh well, the Rangers get to stay hot. The Rangers flew from Seattle to Tampa Bay, the longest flight you can have, had one day of rest, go out, beat the snot out of the 99 win raise, and then they had a couple of days off. Whoa, what a what a huge advantage of two days off. And they get to go face the Orioles team who Said there was an an article, I believe it's in the Baltimore Sun, talking about how the Orioles said they needed this rest very badly because you you get to reset your pitching staff, everybody gets some time off. And you know what? Who cares if it's slightly advantageous for a team to, you know, only have you know one or two off days as opposed to five? I mean, if you were really the better team, then just win. Or sometimes the better team doesn't win in October. And who cares? Who cares? Honestly, I don't. The Rangers are winning, other teams are losing, and if you were really that good you should have simply just won baseball games in October. Stay up to date all year on the Texas Rangers by
1: subscribing to Locked On Sports Today and Locked On Rangers on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked On Sports Today your first listen. Coming up, the Braves looked unstoppable for most of the summer, but it's no cakewalk to the World Series. Before we get to that, though, the Astros are one win away from another ALCS. Modern medical care and treatment are important. But our global supply chains are fragile. Things like pandemics, natural disasters, and foreign travel may cut you off from the treatment you need. Jace Medical wants you to be prepared. That's why they're offering the Jace Case. The Jace Case provides five life saving antibiotics for emergency use. Just fill out their online form, and one of their board certified physicians will review it to determine whether medications are safe. Appropriate. Then they send your prescriptions to one of their partner pharmacies, where your Jace order will be filled and mailed directly to your home. You'll be able to send your physician a message for answers to treatment-related questions any time. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical plus an additional $20 off using my code LOCKEDON at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's j-a-s-e medical.com.
0: Now, here's what you need to be locked on today.
1: The Astros got their first road win of the ALDS and now have the Twins staring down elimination.
2: This is Eric Heisman here with the Locked On Astros podcast. Your Houston Astros are up 2-1 in the ALDS over the Twins after winning on the road 9-1. Yes, you heard that right, 9-1. They scored four runs in the first inning. Three runs in the ninth inning and two more runs throughout the game. You had multiple home runs. Uh, Abreu had two home runs. Alvarez had another home run. Is this guy even human? Alex Bregman had a home run, but basically the Astros scored early off of Sonny Gray, throwing him off his game, and Christian Javier came out and dealt for five innings. Yes, he ran into some trouble, walking the bases loaded in the fifth inning, but then he nailed down and got two strikeouts to end the frame. And Dusty Baker just turned it over to the bullpen and the bullpen got the job done. So the Astros will now turn to Jose Arquiti versus Joe Ryan for game four. The Atlanta
1: Falcons traded for Los Angeles Rams receiver Van Jefferson on Tuesday. As part of the deal, the Falcons sent a 2025 Sixth round pick to the Rams for a seventh round selection in the same year. Jefferson had a career year in 2021 as the Rams made their way to a Super Bowl title. Since then, he's seen his role all but disappear. This year, Puka Nakua and Tutu Atwell emerged as the top pass catchers in L.A. And now Cooper Cup is back. So it was hard to see Jefferson seeing the field very much. So far this year, Jefferson has just eight catches for 108 yards and no touchdowns. Great, another player they can throw to instead of Kyle Pitts. Can't wait. The hits for the Minnesota Vikings keep on coming. Justin Jefferson will miss the next four games because of a strained right hamstring he suffered Sunday in the team's 27-20 loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. According to a report, the Vikings plan to place Jefferson on IR to ensure that he does not return to the field too early and suffer a setback. Vikings head coach Kevin O'Connell said the team would be cautious with its superstar wideout And there are some who wonder if jefferson won't need more than four weeks to recover given their desperate position in the standings it is a wonder if the vikings will be totally out of it jefferson is eligible to return is this a a low-key tank move are they in on caleb Williams? i guess we'll see and lakers head coach darvin ham really believes in anthony davis's ability to shoot the three after tuesday's practice ham said i want him if he can i know he won't do it but maybe he'll shock me but I've requested to see six three-point attempts a game. Through two preseason games, the big man is keeping up with his coach's call, going three for six on threes in 27 combined minutes. Unlimited action against the Golden State Warriors and Brooklyn Nets for context on just how much of a change this would be for AD. He averaged 1.3 attempts from deep last year.
0: Here is another story you need to know.
1: The Atlanta Braves have been part of the story of these high-powered regular season teams having some issues in the postseason so far. They needed a four-run rally in Game 2 just to square that series with the Phillies, and now they look to take Game 3 in a huge momentum spot. Jake Mastriani from Locked On Braves joins me now. And and Jake, what is it about this season where these teams, I mean, we, we see the Orioles and the Rays, these teams that were were killers for the whole season, all of a sudden in the playoffs they they just can't quite find the mojo
3: yeah it's tough out I, I don't know if, i don't know how to explain it i definitely think there's something there and uh, you know you hate to make excuses but Baseball players weren't meant to have five days off like this. I mean, that's longer than the All Star break. You gotta imagine that that has some sort of effect on it. And yeah, it's an advantage to avoid that wild card series. But you win that wild card series, you're already in that postseason mind frame. You already have that postseason adrenaline going into that that division series. And so, I think teams are gonna have to figure out a way, you know, to get around this because certainly you're not gonna lose games to try to get in that wild card series, but Look, it's pretty evident some of these top scenes have come out really flat. And look, the Braves and the Dodgers did it last year, too. They both came out flat in that division series after that five-day layoff. So I, I don't know what necessarily the answer is to get around it other than Braves and top seeds just need to step up and play better. You know, the Braves tried to play sim games this year to keep, you know, the timing. And that's the biggest thing, I think. It's the timing of hitters. You haven't faced – you know, live competitive pitching for five days, and you're trying to hit a Zach Wheeler sinker. You're, you know, you're trying to hit a a good, you know, curveball that you you're not going to see in a sim game. I mean, that's just it's tough to do. But uh, again, I don't I don't think anybody knows what the answer is, or we probably wouldn't be seeing these issues that some of these top seeds are having.
1: Yeah, and and baseball is supposed to be the ultimate large sample size sport. Uh, we, we we talked about this with our O's host the other day, and you look in football, for example, where you have these one game. Postseasons, seasons having that bias still a huge advantage even where just one game can end your year those top seeds go to the nfc championship game and afc championship games way more often than not it seems like it could just be the type of thing that takes time for these players to adjust to like there's a there, this has been a season jake of just everything is changing
3: yeah, no, it certainly has been. And and it's hard to comp- compare, you know, baseball uh, to football, just totally yeah. different in the way that you prepare. I mean, you want that rest in football. You need those days off. But in <laughs> yeah. baseball, you want to be out there every day. You don't want to lose that timing as a hitter. So you know, it's a little bit different in that regard. And like I said, you want to skip that wild card round. I mean, you're not going to just lose games to play in of that course. wild card round. But, uh, you know, there is. I like you talk about the part, you know, the point. This is a large sample size, and and I fear that with this playoff format, while it's exciting and I love it as a fan perspective, it is so exciting and it's going to generate a lot of money. You're kind of devaluing a 162 game season. You look at the Dodgers who are down 2-0, and they were 16 games better than the Diamondbacks in the regular season, and now they're about to get bounced by that team. It really, in my opinion, kind of you know, deflates uh, the importance of 162 in that regard, but it's here to stay. You're not going to go back because people are making money. And like I said, it is exciting. If I'm taking off, you know, an unbiased, you know, Braves hat here, Uh, this postseason format is exciting and it creates a lot of drama and a lot of cool moments.
1: At the same time, that Diamondbacks team beat a Brewers team with basically the same amount of rest and the Brewers were much better in the regular season than the Diamondbacks as well. So you still have to go and win those games to be sure, for this Braves team in particular, what do you feel like it, it has has not quite clicked the way that it did for the regular season? Because this was a Braves team that basically from the jump looked like one of the, what, two or three best teams in baseball for five months.
3: No, I, I think they were quite clearly, and maybe this is my bias coming out, clearly the best team in, in baseball for 162, and it's one of the You talk about what's changed in this postseason, it's the offense, and it was one of the most historic offenses we've seen. A lot of people even comparing it to the 1927 Yankees, known as one of the best offenses of all time. That's what you saw in the regular season, and then you get to the postseason, and again, this is why it's hard to imagine that it's just coincidence, and this offense can't score for a game and a half. They struggle, and give credit to the Phillies, and the game plan they had in game one was great, and Zach Wheeler's one of the best pitchers, but it's just you know you have this historic offense and you come into an off se- or you come into a postseason after five days off and they just couldn't get it going. The pitching, which is what many think was many people thought was going to be the biggest Achilles heel for this Braves team, it's been great, but it's the hitting that took so long until those last three innings of Game Two to get going. And so if they're going to win, that offense has to be the offense they were in the regular season. Stay up to
1: date on the Atlanta Braves by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Braves on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Coming up, the Warriors are ready for what comes next. Warriors center Kevon Looney joined Locked On Warriors host Cyrus Satsas and Kylan Mills to discuss Golden State's state of mind heading into the new season.
4: This is the first time this summer we did some mini camps and different things like that to get everybody on the same page before coming into training camp. I think you can tell the difference uh, by doing that. Everybody's on the same page already. Uh, the first day of practice didn't feel like the first day of practice. And uh, you know, we still got a lot to lot to grow on the court, but I think we we're taking the steps in the right direction and everybody has the same goal.
3: A lot of folks really excited to see how CP3 would fit in with this group. What has your experience been like now being on the same team as him and getting to interact with him in the locker room?
4: Uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's definitely different. Uh, you know, we've been going against him for so long, and he's been like our arch nemesis uh, since I've been in the league. So, have him on our side now. It's been pretty fun. Uh, he's a great leader. Uh, he's real vocal. Uh, he, he talks a lot, so it, that makes everything easy. Uh, but it's been, it's been a lot of fun just to learn from him. He has a lot of knowledge, uh, especially in the pick and roll, different things for, for me that I can, I can learn from and it can uh, apply uh, during the season.
3: Of some of the newcomers and the youngsters returning, who has impressed you with the way they've come into training camp? I know in the preseason game, there were a lot of impressive performances from some of the young up-and-coming Warriors players.
4: Uh throughout training camp, I would probably say uh uh JK, uh Moses, and Gary uh, has been like standouts to me. Uh not having Gary last training camp and him being here, you can tell from his, his intensity, his joy on the court, and just what he brings defensively. Uh he just pops out every time he gets out there on the court. And then just JK and Moses just seeing their their growth from last year. Uh, you know, they've been one of our some of the our better players throughout training camp. You saw that throughout the game. And I also shout out the rookie uh, BP. Uh, he had a really good uh, first game preseason. It didn't look like he had any nerves, and I know how, how hard it is to be for your first game to go out there and perform. So uh, he really stood out the, uh, last game.
3: Where
2: have you seen Jonathan Kaminga grow the most from last season to this season?
4: Uh, he, he grew in a lot of different areas on the court. Uh, just his basketball IQ seemed like he's got a little bit higher. Uh, you know, defensively, he's taken another leap. Uh, last year, I think he kind of you know. Throughout the end of the season, he started taking on the uh, defensive challenge when Wiggs was out, and I think uh, coming into camp, he's been there every every day. Uh, you know, whenever Steph gets the ball, he's he's picking him up full court, who doing different things like that, and uh, just as a, his 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 leadership on the court. You know, he playing with the second unit. He's being more real vocal. He's talking more on defensive end, and he's just taking those those strides. And uh, I think uh, it's going to be good for him to do that. Uh, we're going to need him this year to to go where we need it, to where we want to go. I think he's been doing it.
1: Kavon, dub Nation loves you. and rightfully so. Uh, I think we all remember when you were first drafted,, uh, you weren't drafted as a center. I mean, at least my memory uh, serves you' were drafted more as a wing, and your right. game's like developed tremendously to to being one of the elite centers in the game. my My first question to you is, um, are you like in your opinion, like a lot of the fans are clamoring for the team to add some size to basically help you out. So you're not oftentimes alone down there battling these elite bigs like Jokic and and right. and, uh, and Anthony Davis. Are you, in your opinion, is the front court deep enough? Like, do you have enough help? Do you wish the team would maybe bring some more talent to to reinforce that front court? What are your thoughts on whether or not you're deep enough uh, in the inside to handle uh, the other elite teams in the
4: NBA? I think we are deep enough. Uh, I think the pieces that we added uh, complement what we do. Uh, You might not picture them as big centers or bruisers or anything, but adding Dario and Trace, uh, drafting Trace and uh, Garuba. I know those type of guys, uh, they might not be the tallest uh as far as NBA-wise go, but the the way that they play and the way the physicality they bring, I think it's gonna be a tremendous help to our team. Uh because the year we won it, uh we didn't have it's probably the same size. We had uh, uh Bielita and Otto Porter. They're not traditional centers, but they had size. And I think we added those type of guys. I don't know what's gonna happen with Rudy Gay, but adding a guy like that, uh you know, that's perfect for our team. Uh that can play. Big, and they also can space the floor and uh, do different things. So uh, I think we're we're deep enough, and uh, we have the size and the uh, speed and the strength to to compete with anybody. And at the end of the day, our strength is going to be us playing fast and uh, making teams adjust to the way we play. And uh, I think we're able to do that and do that at a high level, we're pretty tough to beat.
1: And finally, Debo Samuel wants Dallas to know the next time the Cowboys meet the 49ers may be worse than this past week. After Micah Person said Dallas wants another shot at San Francisco, Debo responded on another podcast by saying it was already personal before the game started. And now, 42-10. to 10, I don't think you want to see us again. The Niners and Cowboys may be reigniting this rivalry, you know, as long as the Cowboys can be competitive against them. Which, so far, eh, not really. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up on the next Locked on Sports Today, the Broncos are about to play the Chiefs twice in three weeks with the first game coming up tomorrow night. So at least until tomorrow, stay locked on sports today.